630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. for tuning in tonight inside sports on 630 Chad my name is Reed Wilkins good to have you tuning in tonight still ahead AJ Jakubic out of Ottawa we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, draft lottery and some of the OHL prospects there are some good ones who could be there in the uh, four five six spots we'll see if the Oilers do indeed hold at four certainly seems like uh, Peter Shirelli very open to trading that pick Kelly Rudy's going to join us as we uh, move along tonight as well. Just updating your uh, scoreboard here. The Texas Rangers and the Toronto Blue Jays are tied 1-1. That game is in the bottom of the seventh. R.A. Dickey pitched six and a third for Toronto today. He allowed uh, six hits. And uh, struck out uh, three, allowed a home run. A.J. Griffin was on the hill for Texas. He went six innings. Only gave up three hits, struck out nine. Struck out nine, did allow the uh, one run to score. All right. Oh, yeah, hockey, of course. Uh, they are in the first intermission now. And 2 uh, nothing. Pittsburgh Penguins leading the Washington Capitals. Chris Letang did get a uh, penalty for a hit on Marcus Johansson. We'll see if that's going to be looked at by the league. Was a bit of a headshot. Don't know if it was as bad as the uh, Orpic situation when he hit Matt on the weekend. But uh, certainly one of those hits that 20 years ago, you Scott Stevens would routinely pull off. But things have changed. 2 nothing. Penguins uh, leading that game. The uh, Just give me a sec here, Kellen. I'm going to make sure you have the information that you need here. Okay. Um, also, I can tell you that as we're playing down to the Memorial Cup, Western Hockey League finals start on the weekend. Seattle at Brandon, Friday and Saturday. OHL, Niagara at London. That'll start Thursday and Saturday. Quebec Major Junior League starting Wednesday, Friday. Shawinigan taking on Rouen Noranda. Um... The story out of England today. I just want to. I just want to touch on this quickly because it does present the uh, differences between the two different sports systems. Leicester City won the English Premier League Championship today by standing and watching the game. They played yesterday. They could have won it on the field with a win over Manchester United. They played to a tie, put them eight points up on second place Tottenham. Tottenham played Chelsea today. Chelsea tied the game 2-2. They scored in the 83rd minute. There was six or seven minutes of injury time, 
and uh, that went scoreless. So the game ended 2-2. So Tottenham only got a point. So with two games left, they're seven behind. They can't pass Leicester City. And Leicester City, the 5,000-to-1 shot, is able to win the title. An incredible story, and I, I know I saw some people on uh, Twitter talking about today saying, well, that's exciting. You, you win a game by not playing. You win a game by standing around. But that, that's their system. And you got to understand, they, they look at us and say, well, why are there playoffs? If you're the best team over the course of a season, why don't you just win the title? I mean, they do have playoffs for the, for the FA Cup, and the Champions League is sort of a pool-slash-playoff structure. But the actual, most of the actual leagues in Europe do not have playoffs to win the actual title for that nation. There are 20 teams in the English Premier League. They play each other twice each for 38 games, once home, once away. If you have the most points at the end, you are the champion. You do not have to play anybody else. And, uh, you know, I know I've, I've talked to somebody who has lived in England and followed soccer and who has lived in Canada. They're from Canada originally and been a hockey fan. And they said, you know, he would talk to his friends in England about it and explain how the playoffs worked. And they said, well, why... Why? If this team has the most points after 82 games, aren't they the best team? And why are you playing teams a different number of times? Why should Calgary and Edmonton play each other twice and Calgary and the New York Rangers play each other, or pardon me, Calgary and Edmonton play each other five times and Edmonton and the New York Rangers play each other twice? Well, obviously we do it for travel and because the North American system is built around the excitement of the playoffs and coming through in the clutch and all that kind of stuff. Uh, They clearly don't have that in the uh, English soccer system and most European systems. So, I mean, I get the I get the reaction. I, I get that it seems kind of weird to see a team celebrating while watching a TV. I, I guess we don't have that for champions, for championships in North America. We have it for teams making the playoffs, right, or benefiting from other teams losing to move up in the standings. But when it comes down to winning the title, you have to win it on the ice, the field, the court, or whatever. Not the case when you look at British soccer. Anyway, uh, just a bit of an aside there. AJ Jakubic coming up inside sports on 6.30. Chad Kelly Rudy as well. Take a quick timeout at 7.11. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader. 6.30 Chad. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Still 2-0 for the Penguins leading the uh, Capitals. They're now about three minutes into the uh, second period there. The Penguins uh, and the Capitals series is tied 1-1. The other three series will resume tomorrow. Kelly Rudy from the NHL on Rogers, former NHL goaltender, has been keeping track of all of them. And he joins us now as he does every week here on the show. Kelly, how are you doing, man? I'm fantastic. How about you? I'm doing well. Are, are you all, you know, over the, the, the first-hand experience of, be, of being in the city that won the draft lottery at the time? <laughs> it is interesting, though, right? And uh, there is a, a real vibe, especially Saturday in the city, and uh, um, it will be great. I mean, whatever Canadians think of the Toronto Maple Leafs, just from a TV perspective, and that's what I do, 
it is really great. And uh, so, I mean, we're, we're all about ratings and all that kind of stuff. So that certainly won't hurt us. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's the thing that's going to be interesting for me is, I mean, any any young player that steps into a Canadian market, and obviously I've seen it here firsthand, so much is expected of him, and I, and I would think the attention and the and the the crushing pressure. Though I know the kid handles pressure all the time, mm-hmm. but but the potential for it to be like that that that's really going to be interesting to see what it's like when they have their first four or five game winning streak with him on the roster, and then what it's like when they have a four or five game losing streak with Matthews on the roster. You know all that kind of stuff. And you know it's interesting you brought that up because that's the first thing I thought of when I saw. Uh, him uh, being interviewed as soon as he found out there's the Toronto Police, I'm thinking, oh boy, that poor kid. I mean, coming to Toronto with all the pressure, all the things that you mentioned. And then we had a good chat with uh, Brendan Shanahan, and uh, he talked about this kid being a star his entire life and kind of knowing how to handle that, which is that's a unique thing unto itself. But more importantly, what Brendan Shanahan uh, said to us is that in all the exit meetings, uh, maybe for the first time in a long time, all the guys mentioned how protected they felt here, that the organization this year did a really good job of making sure that they weren't uh, in everybody's sights in the sense that maybe in the media to a certain degree, but the organization did a really good job of uh, protecting the guys and hiding them from certain things. And that was one of the things, if you recall, about a year ago when Mike Babcock was uh, hired by the Leafs, that's one of the things he said. It's really important for organizations to make sure that the guys feel protected, as though if they're going to go out there and have a bad game, that they're not going to be thrown under the bus. And so that's kind of good to know when you think of this young guy, uh, Austin Matthews, coming into this situation, knowing fully that guys like uh, Babcock and Shanahan and others in the organization make sure that, he doesn't feel overwhelmed. Kelly, I'm glad you brought that up about the, that protecting players. Does that apply only or does it apply more to younger players? Because I, I do think there's the expectation, uh, if we're talking about answering to the media and, and you know through the media obviously answering to the fans, I, I, I think a lot of fans expect, well, if you wear a letter, you should put yourself out there. And certainly if you're an older player, you have to get out there and take more of the responsibility, whether it was, was on you or not. I mean, th- th- does, that, does this apply to everybody, what Babcock was saying, or, d- or does it apply more to younger, inexperienced guys? I think it applies to everybody, but dif- in different degrees. And you're right. Younger players should definitely make sure that they feel the organization is uh, behind them. And I know I refer often to uh, Al Arbor, but i got to tell you, Reed, I never once felt that uh, Al was ever in danger of throwing us under the bus ever. Now, in uh, private, was he very stern to us when he needed to be? Absolutely. But when you heard him talk about us to the media and other people, that he was very protective of us. But as you grow and as you become... I guess the more important player in the organization, you do have to take the responsibility yourself and be held accountable. And I learned that from guys like uh, Dennis Potvin and Brian Trotche, Mike Bossy, Billy Smith, all these incredible guys that I started out with. So when my time came, uh, I can tell you that I never dodged the media. There was only one time when I went through the worst uh, slump of my career and it was a two-month slump. I've told you this story before. And there was about a month there where I didn't talk to the media. 
and it wasn't because I didn't like them or I didn't think it was my duty. I was so far off track, I could find myself again, and and I needed to focus on myself. So, but other than that, it is your responsibility. Uh, in particular, I always thought as a starting goaltender, whether the game went well or it went poorly, it was part of my duty to talk to uh, everybody and let them know my thoughts on the on the game. Kelly Rudy joining us on Inside Sports. So let me let me ask you this: whether it's Austin Matthews going to the Leafs or, or Connor McDavid coming to the Oilers last year or if Nolan Patrick out of Brandon winds up being the guy a year from now, whatever, is it possible for his teammates to treat him like any other rookie? Or, or should he be treated like any other rookie? Should he maybe be treated a little, little differently? How, do, how does that relationship play out? Well, he should be treated like everybody else. And in fact, I think that... Uh, uh, they want to be treated like everybody else. Now, uh, it's going to sound uh, like I'm uh, contradicting myself. You want to be treated the same. They have the same rules, but there are double standards. And uh, that's a separate thing that players have to get over. And, uh, again, going back to Al, he always said, hey, if you don't think there are double standards in your life, talk to your parents. They'll tell you all about it wherever <laughs> they work. And uh, Al is right on about that. I know my dad... A wonderful guy, hardworking guy, but his bosses would have been treated differently than him, and that's how it normally goes. And so, uh, once you put it in that proper perspective, then yeah, there are different things uh, that uh, superstars get different treatment. Now, at a young age, a guy like Connor McDavid would have. I'm talking more about things like uh, maintenance days and those sorts of things when there's more wear and tear on the body. Um, Billy Smith certainly had more days off than I did. Whenever there's a uh, an optional practice, uh, you can tell you were guaranteed the kid from Edmonton was going to be on the ice and not necessarily Billy Smith. So <laughs> things like that I'm talking about, and you learn it and you accept it. And you, it's also really good because you learn about things that you can't control, like jealousy. It's a wasted emotion. So don't don't allow that to enter into your, your mindset. And I, I did see a few guys, uh, frankly, come through when – whether I played for the Islanders, although that organization is pretty good in terms of dealing with that, but especially when I went to L.A. and some of the guys had a really hard time accepting uh, the way that Wayne would be treated. And I'm thinking to myself, well, he is the best, and I learned from the best on the island, so I know how this is going to go. And I saw a few guys come and go that didn't like the double standards, and ultimately they were the ones that were going to be shipped out, and they were. Yeah, good point. Kelly Rudy joining us inside sports on 630. Chad, I'm just surprised your street hockey career in West Edmonton didn't buy you any street cred with the Islanders, but I guess uh, times <laughs> times have changed. So, uh, <laughs> anyway. Oh, man, did we ever play a lot of street hockey. On 159th Street by Metal Arts Mall, man alive. That was a great, great memory. That's where it all, that's where it all started. Uh, yep. Hey, uh, second round of the playoffs here. Uh, Clipping along, I, I gotta say, uh, San Jose Pavelski. Uh, I mean, I don't know. He he's just one of those guys. It's like, yeah. w- when do you need a big play? Who do you call Pavelski? And he he seems to just be yeah. one of those guys. He's around the puck. He's around the net. He's a unique talent, is he? Isn't he? He is, he's so special. I think that in my mind, also, um, he's the best at uh, deflecting pucks right now in the game. And and you could maybe come up with a couple other guys that. Maybe I'm forgetting, but just uh, he has a real unique ability at getting a stick on uh, the puck anywhere near the front of the net, very much like Joe Neuendijk. If you remember Neuendijk, uh, Reed, he was, I thought, the best 
and uh, whenever he was on the ice, boy, did you ever have to be aware. Anywhere near the puck, and even if he had one hand on his stick, he'd somehow find a way to tip it. It was, it's crazy. It's a crazy skill. All right, and uh, tomorrow we'll see Tampa and the Islanders. We'll see Dallas and St. Louis tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, I, I picked St. Louis to, to, to win that series, and uh, pretty back-and-forth game yesterday. They finally pulled it out in overtime. Well, Dallas is doing exactly what Jason Spezza told me uh, uh, was one of their, their great qualities, but also one of their problems uh, throughout these playoffs. They can just outscore you when they need to, and they sort of always keep that in their back pocket. Now, it's not the best way always because you should have to uh, you know, be a little bit more responsible throughout the course of the game. The problem, and this is no secret for all of us the entire year, you've got a real goaltending issue at Dallas. Um, Lettinen is by far the better of the two, but, boy, he's so – undependable that uh, you, you could see in the first game of that series, man, he was just so locked in and focused letting in and almost immediately in the start of the second game, you knew this was a real problem. And, and Yemi's just a guy that's going to go in there and battle and give you everything he's got. Uh, and uh, as you said, St. Louis is just such a good team. And I think they're finally figuring out that, Hey, they are a good team. They've just got to bring it every day and, and they don't worry about consequences as much right now. They're just playing. Kelly, great stuff. Uh, always fun here. The playoffs are really heating up, man. We'll do this again next week. You got it. Have a great vacay, eh, pal? Oh, thanks, Kelly. Yeah, going to be taking some time off later in the week. Thanks for that, Kelly. Kelly uh, Kelly Rudy joins us every week here on Inside Sports. 2-0 Penguins leading the Capitals. They are halfway through the game in Game 3 of that series, which is tied 1-1. Kellen, mm-hmm. we were uh, talking earlier this hour about Leicester City winning this uh, English Premier League championship. So they yes. were listed as 5,000 to 1. Mm-hmm. So I'm just reading some things here about uh, the, the bets. Uh, Ladbrokes, one of the bookmakers, mm-hmm. said they took uh, 47 bets on Leicester City up until September mm-hmm. when they started winning. So the odds were changed to 1,500 to, win, to, 1500 to 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ladbrokes will lose $6.6 million dollars and that's after settling 24 of the 47 bets at cheaper payouts. Wow. William Hill, another bookmaker, tallied their losses at around $3.2 million. They had 25 bets at 5,000 to 1, but still aggressively sought to make settlements until the last minute. I'm reading this off the Scores website. They mm-hmm. just put up a story about it. Yep. And uh, Bet Fred, another bookmaker, says the owner of this site... Of, of or sorry of Bet Fred, just declared Leicester City betters winners on April third, and paid out one point six million dollars yeah. in winning. So he didn't want to risk it getting to the end. He just said, "I'll give you this now." Yeah. So, but I mean, I wouldn't take a lesser amount. No. If I bet fifty bucks for them to win at five thousand to one, yeah, I want five thousand to one. I want the want the payoff for five thousand to one. I yeah. mean, why not? Exactly. And uh, Daryl Rovell tweeting, he says, uh, After Leicester City, bookmakers at, at Ladbrokes have now said they will never again offer 5,000 to 1 odds on a soccer team to win a title. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I guess that's a good point. If you're a bookmaker, an odds maker, and you're saying, Okay, I don't think this team has a hope in heck of winning the championship. Yeah. Yeah, do you have to go to 5,000 to 1? You probably just could have said, no. okay, 500 to 1. Yeah. We're giving betters the message. Yeah. We don't think this team is going to win. You can bet on them if you want, but we think you're going to lose your money if you bet. Mm-hmm.
So, yeah. Well, good for them. If they, if they were going to make them 5,000 to 1, why not 7,000 to 1? Why not 10,000? No. Or, to go the other way, now they're going to be like, okay, we think this team is 5,000 to 1. Maybe 1,000 to 1 is enough. The old jolly old is up in a tizzy, a real tizzy today. Tell you what, we'll bring in A.J. Jakubik to talk a little bit about who the Oilers might get if they draft four or a little lower. Lots of players out of the Ontario Hockey League in that slot, or in that uh, range of players, I should say. Blue Jays trailing Texas 2-1 in the bottom of the eighth. This is Inside Sports on 630 Jets. You're listening to 6:30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Six and a half minutes left in the second period. Now, still two nothing. The Penguins leading the Capitals, though the Caps are out shooting Pittsburgh, 25 to 12, putting up some pressure here. Cannot break through. That series is tied 1-1. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins with you. Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, a couple notes for the Edmonton Eskimos today. They've signed offensive lineman Joel Figueroa. He's 6'6", 320 pounds, out of the University of Miami. Spent the last three seasons with Hamilton. Started 26 games. Five seasons at the U. Played 43 games. He uh, got an extra year of eligibility because he was hurt in 2010. The following year, he won the Community Service Man of the Year Award. So the Eskimos pick up uh, another offensive lineman. They trade an offensive lineman, Thaddeus Coleman, to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for two negotiation list players. Their identities uh, not revealed. They usually don't do that unless those players are actually signed. All right, uh, the full interview, by the way, from the weekend with Peter Shirelli. You can find that on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. We talked to Peter shortly after the draft lottery and the results were announced. And i got to tell you, I feel like I've won the lottery whenever I have this gentleman on the show. It's A.J. Jackubik, Edmonton native, now with TSN 1200 in Ottawa. A.J., how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. You got uh, you got a pretty low bar if I'm like, uh, winning the lottery. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man, don't sell yourself short, eh? I'm just saying. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing having me on. I'm just saying that's not quite winning the lottery. <laughs> well, you're the you're you're uh, you're not the best guest of the last couple of weeks because we had Pinball Clemens on a few days ago. Oh, that he's was the pretty best. Good. Yeah, and we had Bill Every Daly on I the show. The so pinball, he always gives you a hug. Yeah, well, I've never met him in person, but he was. Oh, he's uh, Boy, he's 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 pretty easy to interview because you ask a question and he just goes. And if you had more, if you if like you if you had a list of ten questions for pinball, he'll probably answer all ten by you just asking two or three. Yeah, no, he's uh, he, he was a great player, a great uh, spokesman for the league, and just a, a genuine great person. Having having met him a couple of times at Great Cup, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not coming anywhere near pinball. Hey, uh, I'm wondering uh, what the mood was like in Ottawa last week. I mean, all the Canadian teams had a shot at the draft lottery. Ottawa's percentage, uh, you'll have to remind me, 2 2.5%, I think. Was there any hype expectation, what if, about it? Or or uh, how are the Senators fans approaching it? They had an 83% chance going into the draft lottery of picking 12. 
8% chance of, of moving up and a 9% chance of moving down. So in the end, it, it was kind of business as usual, right? So, um, you know, a big week for the franchise, especially uh, with the news on Thursday that Eugene Melnick's bid uh, won the right to at least enter negotiations with the National Capital Commission uh, on a new downtown arena uh, near the Canadian War Museum. So that, that, to me, was the biggest news of the week. I mean, that, that's kind of franchise-shifting news, uh, for especially for Eugene Melnick, because uh, I think uh, downtown arena certainly uh, was going to be coming to Ottawa one way or the other, but uh, if the bid went to the other group, with a couple of billionaires uh, in it, uh, the Cirque du Soleil founder and uh, the uh, the Demeray family involved in that, and they're worth billions. Uh, I mean, it, it just would have been an uncertain situation uh, to see what would have gone on. So I, I think uh, from one standpoint, a very good week for the Ottawa Senators, and when it comes to the draft lottery, pretty ho-hum because uh, they are where uh, where they expect to be, and and at number 12, and I know you want to talk prospects, I think they're in a pretty good spot because I view this as a draft that after the big three, there are a lot of good players you know, from that four to 14 or 15 range. So I think you know, you're not necessarily going to get the guy that's number four on your list, but I think there's going to be a lot of teams in that 12, 13, 14 range that probably have a guy. And you hear it every year at the draft, right? oh, we had this guy number six or seven or eight on our list. And I think we're going to see that a lot this year just because there are a lot of good players in, in that group of about 10 from four to 14 or 15. Well, yeah, I mean, I've, I've even had a couple of guys say it, it, that you could extend that to even 18 or nine, 19. Some people cut it off four to 12. But, I mean, clearly there's the thought that it's, it's a pretty large group of guys. It's, it's not there's one through three and then there's four through six. There's, a, there's at least four through 10 or 11. So, so that is some interesting stuff. And, and you follow and cover some of these guys uh, with, you know, with your work with the Ontario Hockey League. So let's start with um, a, a guy like Matthew Kachuk, who's, who's had great offensive numbers. Uh, where am I at here? Uh, 107 points in 57 games in the regular season, uh, up uh, over two points of games in the playoffs, uh, and they're going into the league final against Niagara. Uh, I mean, is he, if the Oilers are number four or whoever is number four, is, is he a guy that you think has a good shot to go that high, or how do you look at Kachuk? Yeah, I, I think so, and I, I preface this by saying I haven't seen Pierre-Luc Dubois play. Uh, I've seen Nylander, I've seen all the defensemen except for Jake Bean. Uh, I've seen all the centers in that list kind of from four down when you talk about Tyson Jost, who had a, a you know local Edmonton guy who had the great under-18 under tournament, Logan Brown, Mike McLeod, um, you know, Nylander. So I, I've seen the bulk of these guys, but I haven't seen Dubois. But when I look at Edmonton, and, and I mean, first and foremost, I mean, uh, you know, I think I'm sure they've got a lot of different things on the table to try and get uh, a top-pairing right shot defenseman. But let, let's assume that they keep the pick. You know, I, I think Kachuk is exactly the type of player that they need. I mean, what have we heard from Edmonton the last few years? Beyond, they need to upgrade the defense. They, they need to get more competitive in their skill positions in the top six with their forwards. And, and a guy like Matthew Kachuk, I mean, I mean the numbers are very impressive. Uh, when you talk about uh, three points in 14 playoff games, you mentioned the 107 
regular season points. And maybe some people would sit back and say, yeah, but plays in London. You know, he's, he's playing a lot with Marner, plays a lot on the power play, and he does. I mean, all those things are true. Let's not forget that a draft-eligible player here as well put up 11 points at the World Juniors. And, and you don't see many players do that, let alone draft-eligible players. So uh, the offensive ability is there. He, he gets uh, a lot of those goals from from close range because he's got a nose for the net. He doesn't mind going to the dirty areas, kind of like his dad, uh, who, of course, is Keith Kachuk. And and he's a guy that can play with good players and, again, has a bit of a mean streak in him. So I, I think he, he checks all the boxes. Uh, if you're an Edmonton Oilers fan looking for, again, a, a guy with skill, but a guy that's competitive uh, that, that can play in your top six uh, eventually. And I don't think he's that far away from playing either. So uh, to me, that, that would be a terrific pick at number four. Seems like an obvious pick, unless, of course, Dubois, who I think has some of the same characteristics and, and Dubois is, is a regular birthday whereas uh, Kachuk's a late birthday so um, you know we're, we're talking about a 98 versus a 97 here uh, and, but uh, you know I know a lot of people think really highly of him he can play center, can play the wing uh, big body at 6'2", 6'3", and, and, and doesn't mind getting his nose dirty as, as well so uh, if they stay where they're at I would think those are the two guys they look at because beyond that I mean there's so many good defensemen um, you know, but you could probably trade down to get one of them if, if that's what you want to do. Uh, there's a lot of centers available. Uh, you know, Ottawa, I mean, Edmonton's got three pretty good ones right now. I'm never a big fan of drafting for need, but uh, I would think if you've got a forward right there where you're picking uh, that, that fits your need, that, that would seem to be an obvious pick uh, for Peter Shirelli if they keep that pick. Well, AJ, you, you touched on this a bit, but do you think Matthew Kachuk – plays in the NHL next season or maybe out of training camp? I mean, I know you, you, you see all the stuff on Twitter and you read stuff and some people are like, yep, he's he's probably a second-line winger next year. Other people are like, whoa, 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 uh, hold your horses. How close to the NHL do you think he is? I think he's close. I think he's very close. And, and again, I, I always distinguish draft year guys between the late birthdays and, and the true 18-year-olds. Uh, I mean, he's going to be 19 you know, partway through the right. season and, and, you know, went through two years with a national development program and, and then, you know, one full year in the OHL. So this, this is a guy that, you know, I, I don't think is very far away at all. If he goes and shows that, uh, that he's ready uh, and shows that look, it looks that he's ready. I mean, he's physically mature. I don't think that's going to be an issue. So I, I, I think, and, and again, a lot of times you send guys back because, well, you know, maybe he didn't play in the World Juniors and it'd be a good good experience there. Well, he had 11 points. Maybe maybe you want to have him have a, a longer run in junior. Well, they're four wins away from, from going to the Memorial Cup, so there 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 are some reasons why you'd send him back. But you know, right now I think as as a guy that's going to be 19 in the fall, if he shows that he's ready to play, I, I would lean towards keeping a guy like that because again I, I'm a big believer watching junior hockey that like I said there is a big difference between sending back a late birthday true 19 year old versus an 18 year old out of the draft. 
AJ Jackie joining us, TSN 1200 in Ottawa, is who AJ works for, talking a little bit about prospects coming out of the Ontario Hockey League. Is uh, the Oilers right now fourth overall pick? Peter Shirelli certainly very open about the possibility of uh, of trading it or uh, trading it and moving down and maybe getting a, a similar quality player if he's eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, or wherever he might uh, mind up wind up. Got to talk to you about the the defense. I, I know Chikrin was uh, the the hot buzz guy earlier in the season. Sergachev winds up uh, winds up winning the award for top defenseman in the Ontario Hockey League. Where are you with these two guys? And perhaps anybody else you want to throw into the mix? Well, to me, I, the guy that I like the best is Ole Ulevi. I, I mean, I, I just think he's a guy that is a complete package. Some people say, well, you know, maybe he doesn't have one dominating characteristic like the other guys, but I think you watch him skate um, and, and move the puck, and you know the, the, that to me is a defining characteristic as it is, especially in today's NHL. So um, I, I'm a big ULAV fan. Really liked his game at the World Juniors, I and mean, he put up nine points there as a blue liner, as a true 17 year old. So uh, you know those, those are pretty impressive numbers. Uh, plays in all situations uh, for the London Knights, and again, there, there's really no weaknesses to his game. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, he isn't as physically imposing as, as Sergachev or, or, or Chikrin, but um, he, he's a guy that just uh, looks like a guy who's not, who's not going to be far off from, from making the National Hockey League jump, maybe another year away because he is a defenseman and because he is a little bit younger as a true 17-year-old. But, uh, you know, he would be my guy, but you're, you're, you've got some real good options because, uh, you know, I'm not even mentioning Jay Bean out of Calgary, who I haven't seen play, and Charles McAvoy, uh, out of Boston, use uh, you know earning some rave reviews from the people that I've talked to. But Sergachev's a guy in Windsor that uh, you know I saw quite a bit this year, and he, he's I, I think his A game is probably better than than maybe anybody else's A game. But you worry sometimes that maybe he's not all that engaged at, at times. So that could be just being bored with playing at the OHL level, but uh, I mean, that's why it's a little bit more of a wild card, but when he's engaged, man, he sees the ice so well, big body, he can shoot the puck. Um, so like, this is a guy that, uh, that looks like he's going to be uh, a dominant defenseman for a long time. As for Chikrin, I, I, I liken Chikrin to kind of a Dion Phaneuf, Ed Jovanovsky type, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I think he's going to play 10, 15 years. I think he's going to be a top four defenseman. Uh, sometimes I question his decision making, though. I, I think uh, he's a guy that, and when I say when I mention those guys, Jovanovski and Kunov, I think he skates better than those two as well. I should preface that. But there are times like he'll go out and go coast to coast one shift, and you say, okay, wow, this guy, he, he's something special. And then the next shift, he'll he'll make a decision that just leaves you puzzled. So I, that that's the concern, I guess, with Chikrin. Um, whereas a guy like Ulevi, I, I don't think you get too many of those bad decisions. And, and same with Sergachev, but sometimes, again, the uh, the old gas meter, uh, the old give-a-crap meter, let, let's put it that way, right. maybe isn't as high as, as the other two. So that, that, that's kind of what you're looking at with those three. I think all good selections. Uh, and, and, but again, personal preference, Ulevi would be my guy out of the three. Okay. Well, you wonder if uh, 
I mean, that's the heavy speculation now is that the Oilers don't wind up picking number four, but they, they still get somebody they like maybe a little uh, lower down in the first round. AJ, thanks for making time for us. Uh, I know you're busy. What What's coming up for you this summer? You getting ready for Red Blacks? Yeah, well, got the big uh, got the big Amway Canadian Championship quarterfinal coming up, 11th and 18th against FC Edmonton. So looking forward to that. Uh, Fury FC, uh, a team that's drawn uh, over 7,000 for numerous games, so they're they're kind of uh, developing a nice little niche here in the uh, soccer community, and um, you know, still after last year reaching the league final, they're uh, they're hoping to make it to the next uh, step in the Amway Canadian Championship and finally get past Edmonton to face MLS opposition. It'll be uh, Vancouver who waits in, in the semifinals after that. And, yeah, football's around the corner as well. So uh, it's it's year-round for me. Uh, when hockey stops, uh, the, the clock starts on something else, which is great. But, uh, you know, I, I'm really enjoying year three of doing uh, both footballs, football and soccer. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a fun time of year for sure. Right on. Well, clearly, since you're still working, you didn't bet any money on Leicester City, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, all the time. I mean, geez, twenty bucks, you get a hundred grand. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> what a great story, though. Yeah, it's incredible. I was just before you came on. I was reading about how much uh, some of the bookmakers in uh, England have have lo- are going are going to lose as a result of this. And Ladbrokes has said, you know what, we're not going to make any more five thousand to one odds anymore. No. And I'm thinking, like, yeah, you know, if you're trying to tell betters, we really don't think you should be betting on this team. Probably a thousand to one's enough, you know, or even, even five hundred. I don't think anyone's going to be rushing to go bet on Burnley uh, to win the league <laughs> next year. <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, man, thanks for your time. I really appreciate you doing this. My pleasure, Reed. Anytime. Cheers. That is AJ Jakubic checking in. It is 7:49 inside sports on 6:30. Ched, the Penguins are now up three nothing on the Washington Capitals. That is through two periods of play in Pittsburgh. Your scoreboard is presented by Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. You can call 310 Glass today. The uh, Toronto Blue Jays are uh, losing in the bottom of the ninth, down 2-1 to the Texas Rangers. We'll see if they can rally. You can text 630-630, the phone number 780-496-0063. If you missed the news earlier, Connor McDavid of the Edmonton Oilers is a finalist for the Calder Trophy for Rookie of the Year. He's up against Chicago's Artemi Panarin and Shane Gostisbehere from the Philadelphia Flyers. Back after this break. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Mike Riley and the Eskimos. Getting ready for camp later on this month. Training camp gets going for the Edmonton Eskimos as they will go after the Grey Cup once again. Mike Riley with a new three-year contract. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It's 7.53. The Blue Jays lose 2-1. To the Texas Rangers, Pittsburgh up 3-0 on the Washington Capitals. That is after two periods of play. Um, yeah, McDavid up for uh, Rookie of the Year, one of the three Calder finalists. He had 48 points in 45 games. Panarin had 77 in 80. Shane Gostisbehere, the other finalist, 46 points in 64 games. So there you go. You can wish that games played didn't matter, but it does matter. It does matter, yeah. It does matter. And as a defenseman, I mean, here's the thing. A lot of people were saying, well, it shouldn't be about games played. It should be about impact in the games they've played. Well, if you're saying that, 
Aren't you making an argument for Goss Despair, not McDavid? Absolutely. Or you're making more of an argument for Goss Despair, not McDavid? I mean, you know, Philip, when in the game McDavid got hurt, uh, Goss Despair wasn't playing, and Philadelphia wasn't doing very well. Mm-hmm. Now, they weren't a great team. I mean, they, they barely made the playoffs, but they made it. Did they? Do they make it without Goss Despair? I don't think so. They might not. No. Do the Oilers make the playoffs if McDavid plays the full year? No. So, I mean, look, I know one guy said I'm being anti-McDavid. I'm not being anti-McDavid. I'm being realistic as to how the voters are going to think about this. I I think. And to how, and to how people are thinking about it. Is McDavid the best rookie in the league? Yes. That's not the award. Does not go to the most talented rookie in the league. Just like the Hart Trophy doesn't go to the best player in the league, right? It goes to the most valuable player in the league. There's a difference between the most outstanding player and the most valuable player, right? Sometimes it's the same thing. Sometimes it's not, right? I think this year in the NHL, if you look at the Hart Trophy, the most outstanding player will probably also be the most valuable player in Patrick Kane, right? So rookies, uh, the, the wording for the Cal- Calder Trophy isn't exactly the same. It's proficient in his first year in the NHL. Part of the definition of proficient for me is playing a large chunk of the game. So look, is it fair? No. Do I expect you to like it? No. Is Connor McDavid going to be quote-unquote punished because he only played 45 games and got hurt on kind of a freaky play? Well, yes, he will. It's not fair. Okay. Well, he probably won't win the Calder Trophy. All right. All right. 780-496-0063. Inside Sports at 630Ched.com is the email. And I just got an uh, email from John. And the subject line is NHL is a joke. So I'm going to read it when we get back. John's kind of upset about something. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.